Hello, faithful listeners. I'm Lisa, part of Julie and Lisa, and Two Sober Chicks. We thank you for joining us on another edition of our Speaker Series Edition from the home group AA Solution Seekers Online. This is Reg. My name is Reg. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, my sobriety date is February 8, 2008. My sponsor is Gwen B. in Lafayette, Louisiana. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. I um, have been traveling really since COVID, like when, since the, the, what were we in, shutdown lifted. I just have been on the road. So, I mean, I have a lot of home groups, you know, because there are a lot of places I spend time. Um, my home group for almost the entirety of my sobriety which is a meeting that I'm attending right now because I'm in Los Angeles and this is where I got sober is um, New Hope on New Hampshire. And that's a Friday night meeting at 7 p.m. And that is uh, Pacific time. <laughs> uh, see, I didn't, I, I, I accepted, I said I would be thrilled. You know, I'm always thrilled to do service in Alcoholics Anonymous. I love it. And I, you know, it's four and I didn't sleep really that much because I was, you know, had to get up in the middle of the night. And um, so I thought, I want to go back to sleep. I'm going to just try and do it without coffee. So this is what you get. You get what you get. Don't get upset. No, (laughs) Um, I love Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I love Alcoholics Anonymous and I'm a crier. Um. I love the life that it has given me. You know, I I love a piece that's in Keys of the Kingdom. And it's we read some of it here in Los Angeles as a tradition um, in some meetings. But it's just before that. And what it says is um, that recovery isn't something that can be finished and done. You know, it's something that we get to mine for a lifetime. And what it offers us is limitless expansion, limitless expansion, you know? I don't think I could have seen that when I came to you, but I'm living it today, you know? And I'm so grateful. So I'm gonna tell you a little bit about, you know, what I was like, what happened to change me and, and what I'm like today. Oh, shoot. Did I even? Okay. I don't know who's keeping time, but I didn't start my time till right now. So how, how many minutes in am I? Do you know? Um, okay. Anyway, probably like five. If, if you look at Stacy B's picture, you're going to see the timer in her top left corner. Oh, there it is. Oh, my Lord. Go. It's so little. 40, you have 42 have minutes 42 to go. Minutes. <laughs> right. Thank you. Anyway, so... um. I am from Orange County, California. It's the county south of Los Angeles. And um, I identify as a member of the CIA, Catholic, Irish, alcoholic. um, You know, I had a great, big, beautiful, violent, alcoholic, dysfunctional family, you know. And um, like so many of us, like, here's my big my my pinnacle moment when I was four is I looked out the window of my bedroom and the Catholic church where I was baptized was right on the other side of our fence. And I thought, if I can see him, 
he's got to be able to see me. And if he can see me and he's letting what happens in this house happen to me, I don't want any part of it, you know? And I literally, I renounced God at that point and I became the power. <laughs> like I became the, so a, a few years ago, maybe five years ago or so, I was sponsoring a girl and I was telling her when I got sober, you know, that song, I got the power. I changed the words to, I'm not the power because like I was so good at being the power I thought you know if y'all will just let, listen listen up listen up everyone's got something to do and I'm going to dictate to each and every one of if you'll just simmer down I got the plan it's going to be great are you with me you know you weren't necessarily with me but I was going for it anyway and um I mean I've been thinking a lot the last few days I was at a meeting uh, yesterday morning, I guess it would have been. And there was this sweet little girl who had 20 days, you know, and she um, just, she just was so 20 days sober and just adorable and just like, couldn't get it together. And um, I just, I loved her. And I was thinking, you know, what I get as a result of just coming in and sitting down is like, I get to tell a girl with 20 days sober that she's not always going to have to worry about her period coming, you know, like, just like, <laughs> that was her whole focus for 10 minutes, you know, and I just, I love us. I love us. I love us when we come in and we're shaking on the ground and somebody sticks a wallet in our our mouth, you know, that still happened when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. Anyway, but back to Orange County, California, there was, you know, God, and I was like, nope, and I was the power and, you know, and, and a lot of good came from that. I have a great intuition, you know, I just like, we, people like us, I believe, get really sharp, like tools to use on the streets, because we got to really hustle. And I think that might have something to do with when we get sober, why so many of us really make these really gorgeous lives. Um, anyway, so I was born into an alcoholic house. My parents were alcoholic. My mom was pretty violent when drunk. We were a house that the police got called to. You know, and the fact of the matter is like, with all that said, like there was so much love in our house and there was so much laughter. And um, I wouldn't change a minute of it. I wouldn't change a minute of my life. You know, there was a time when I got, after I got sober, and I don't know when it happened, but I just, I think it was when I went back to where I was born and I looked at that house and the church and how close together they were. And after that, I just imagined looking out that window again. And I saw Jesus and I love Jesus. I mean, cause kind of the way we depict him, he looks a little bit like a junkie and I always liked a junkie and, He's just like, I like that he washes the feet of the apostles. Like, I just love Jesus. Anyway, Jesus was there. And he said, 
your soul picked a particularly difficult journey this time. And you're not just going to survive, you're going to thrive. Nothing is wasted. And I wanted to be right next to you so that you could be well taken care of. And that's it. It's my very own version of that little footsteps poem, you know, it was just like right there for me. And I, and I couldn't see it and I didn't need to see it at that time. You know, I didn't need to see it because nothing is wasted in my life. It happens just the way it's supposed to. Y'all taught me that, you know, and, you know, so my family likes to drink, you know, I like to drink. My mother got sober when I was about eight. You know, but I just remember, like, my first drunk was at my brother's wedding. I was, like, 11 years old. Andre, cold duck, glug, glug, glug. It was delicious. It was just the way, that was just the way it was. And and it was just okay. And, you know, um, you know, I'm not the best drunk and I'm not the worst drunk. I'm just, you know, I'm just somebody who, you know, When I take that first drink, I don't know where I'm going to end up. And having said that, like 99% of the time where I ended up was so much fun. Because I really just like, I wasn't somebody who was miserable as an alcoholic. I was like, you know, I lived in Los Angeles, California. I worked in the music industry, you know, like, and like I told you, I'm intuitive and I worked in, in in picking talent, you know, kind of, um, I was an agent, so I kind of helped them along the way. And so literally my job, as I kind of set it up, was to go out to the rock show every single night. And then I would come into what, I had these rules toward the end of my tenure at, at my job. And I was good at my job. You know, I made a lot of money for this agency. And uh, my boss said, let's let's go on a walk. And he, he would come in every day. He had literally, this is not a joke. Like, it changed. But, like, he had, um, let's see, two dogs, a cat, an African gray bird, two squirrels. Was there anything else? There might have been something else at one time or another. I don't know what's in my eye. It's from crying. Um, anyway, and he there he took me on a walk and he said, Reg, you know, you know, I think he, he thought I was just the best, you know, I think because he was making a lot of money, probably. But it's also fun to have around. He said, but really, you're doing 22% of what you're capable of. And I might have made that up, but I do think it was. It is how I remember it. And he said, so he's going to make me some rules. And the rules are these. God bless us. If there are five boys in your office drinking, you're probably not working as hard as you can. So no more parties in the office. And he said, um, oh, there was this rhythm guitar player who told me it was not good to wash your hair. So I just stopped washing it. And he said, I don't care how cute the boy is to me. It's just dirty hair. So you have to look really super cute every day. And my other rule was if I couldn't get in by noon, he was just going to send me home. So when I couldn't get in by noon, I just wouldn't go. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I didn't make it today. <laughs> and so one time he had the guy I was living with 
come home and say, oh, Danny wants to see you. I think he wanted to be able to at least send me home one time, you know, but anyway. So that was it. I mean, I had a lot of fun, you know, and then I started losing stuff, you know, I started losing my dignity, you know, I, I started getting into cars with people I didn't know to go places. I didn't know where I was going to end up. And usually it did end up well. One time it ended up, there was this, I went to this rock show and there was this guy who, whatever, he, you know, he was this guy who I was friends with and you know how lines get a little blurry. And he had gone to this show with me and um, he wanted me to, I, I lived at the beach and he, he wanted me to stay at his house in Hollywood. And I was like, no, I want to go home. And it's like a, it's like an hour round trip at two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, no, you need to like to, no, he wouldn't. So he literally, I'm not kidding you. And I had let him, he left me on the street called Santa Monica Boulevard at two in the morning on the bus bench with a little blanket around my shoulders. And I was it was not a good situation. You know, I was like passing out on waiting for a bus, which I didn't know how to take the bus, you know, it was a whole thing. And so I thought it's going to be fine. I'll just get on the bus and it ends at the beach, you know, so I'll be fine. And um, the, it ended and they were like, everyone off, everyone off. And I got off and I was not at the beach. I was downtown, which I'd not, I'd not been downtown. And, you know, I, I was sitting there waiting for the other bus to take me back. And this was an adventure. Like, that's how I look at life, you know, and this time I'm sitting there. I remember it so clearly. There's like, I'm not a religious person. You know, I love Jesus. That's a whole different ballgame. But anyway, I see this big white cross, you know, it's just in front of me. And then this man who I'm just going to say is is not the safest person that I would have next to me, you know, like he is not, he does not have good intentions. And so I'm sitting there and I just looked at the cross and I just said a little prayer and it was like, Ping! the men came who were to, you know, clear this guy away from me. And, you know, I, I got home safe. And the next morning I had to take the bus back because my car was in the city and, you know, there was this guy on the bus and he said to me, were you on the bus at about four o'clock in the morning? And I'm like, I'm not on a bus. Oh no, not me. And it's, it, it's funny, you know, he's a musician. And again, I worked in the music industry. So, and he ultimately got sober and, you know, I came to know him. And so I got to make amends for that lie and he was like oh I knew it was you <laughs> you know like drunk girl you know it's like I have a distinctive look hilarious anyway but that's the way life was it was an adventure for me I enjoyed it quite a bit then I started losing things and um you know what actually happened is you know What happened is I got pregnant and, um, you know, I, I had no idea I was pregnant. I was going out every single night. It was just living the way we live, like barely holding on to this job, you know, just doing what we do. And um, I just had a vision. I was smoking a cigarette and I had a vision of this little 
embryo suffocating from my cigarette. I don't know where that came from, but I know to trust my gut. Like it's saved me my whole life. So I called my friend, Melissa, and I said, I think I might be pregnant. Let's take a pregnancy test. And, you know, and we took it. And that day, like I had already had two children and, um, you know, and a failed marriage that was really 45 minutes. What goes? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm really kidding. You know, I, th that's a big part of my story. I was married to this beautiful man, you know, who just loved me and wanted to take care of me. And, you know, we had these amazing children and I just couldn't, I couldn't literally, I couldn't take all that love. I wasn't ready to receive it, you know, because just whatever ideas I had put between me and God along the way, you know, they just made me feel worthless. And the funny thing is I was kind of this bright kid who could do a lot of things. And I just always thought, you know, I, I had imposter syndrome. I'm like, why did they pick me? I don't know. And, um, you know, and so that's that. Anyway, so I got pregnant with my son and, you know, and I didn't go to a meeting. I just stopped drinking. And then my friend who, who uh, I called when I had the pregnancy test, she was a bad alcoholic. And so one day I wanted to go to a meeting and I called her. My son had been born and she, I said, what are you doing tonight? And neither of us had ever been to a meeting. And she said, well, I wanted to go to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, but Andrew wants to watch the Laker game. That's our friend who was sober. And, uh, and I said, I wanted to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. So we went together and, um, you know, I listened and it was good. And I just, you know, like I was, it was nine months. I got this, you know, I'm different. I just am so terminally unique, you know? So what happened to me in that recovery is, you know, I think there's a little something that comes from half measures. How much? I don't know. But, you know, like there's, I go to your meetings. So that was good, you know, and I got into some habits with you and that was good, but you know, I didn't say stay sober. I wasn't able to stay sober. And, you know, and that was my path. I don't know if it's good or bad. You know, I don't know if anything's good or bad. But I know, ultimately, I took pain medication for my neck and ultimately ended up like, oh, my neck, my neck, you know, and, um, and then one day, I made the decision to drink. And I drank for like a year or two. But I, it was very secret and I would still go to Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, I would still go because in the evening, you know, I had that baby by this time and, you know, I'd put him to bed and I would sit on my porch and I would drink vodka and I would drunk tile people in AA. That was my relapse. I did go to Burning Man, which was a whole different story. And it was a vital spiritual experience. It was, it was really something. I don't need to go back, but I'm glad I had that experience. I mean, I'm glad I had so many experiences in my life. You know, I'm so grateful for every minute of my life. And um, 
Yeah. So I, I got loaded and I drunk dialed y'all and, you know, I would drunk dial candy who was, um, you know, just this sweet girl who was just trying to get sober. You know, she was the, whatever she was in my crew. And the beautiful thing is this. So when I got sober, I, my job as a talent agent, he just said, take, you know, when I got like, have the baby, it was when I had the baby. So just like take a year with the baby and I'll pay you. And like, da, 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 which was so generous of him. And um, so I had this year off and then I was, it was coming time. I was going to have to go to work and I was scared to ask for anything, you know? And I remember I had the sponsor and she told me I had a chair that I needed a job. And so I did that. I didn't do everything that she said by far. And it was amazing because I'm standing at the back of the room behind the speaker who is sitting down and I'm standing up in the, in the shoe section. Do you guys know that section in the back of the room? It's where the slippers and the loafers and the sneakers go. Ah, ha, ha. I like that one. Anyway, oh, I forgot my story. Um, oh shoot, I literally it literally just went. Um, I was getting sober, Melissa. The meeting, it's gone. I'm gonna have to pick up somewhere. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Um, anyway, so like I came in and you know I just I I didn't do the work. I ended up getting loaded and then I was on the porch, right, thinking about all of y'all. And I picked candy, right. And, you know, sweet candy. I love her so much. There was this one day that I was at work. I worked in a real estate office and I was in the escrow officer's office. And I knew that day that I was either going to go to AA or I was going to go to the liquor store. And I called Candy and I said, do you want to go to a meeting tonight? And the, like, again, the adorable thing is like, you know, God had that escrow officer in at my moment of clarity. And, you know, a year or two later, she called me when she wanted to get sober. Now she's a lot, you know, it's just so beautiful. It's so beautiful, you know, and it all works out perfectly. So when I came back to AA, I did not know which, you know, when I was sitting on that porch, I would just think about your beautiful faces, you know? You had these hearts that were so bright and lively and these clear eyes. You were free. And, you know, I knew that I wanted that and I didn't know which of the things got it. So I just, I did them all. I came back and I did them all, you know? So if you're new, this is where you can start listening. Like every day I went to a meeting, my home group was Cafe Tropical. Uh, I had a commitment at every meeting I went to. Friday night, we went to New Hope on New Hampshire and then we would go to dinner. You know, in my first year of sobriety, like we insisted on having fun. I mean, we were all over the place. We were having a party or a like just like a barbecue or playing football at midnight in the park or like 
nobody was with their families. So for a few years, this was such oh, this was one of my favorite things I've ever gotten to do. There was this uh, homeless, like a big homeless shelter with moms and kids. And um, so we, I, I don't know why I got the idea to make, to make Christmas dinner to feed the homeless. Right. But like, I like to do it a little funner than that. So I know all these musicians and this guy, Tom Morello plays in that band rage against the machine. And he's doesn't have alcoholism, but he wrote the checks and I just got my, I got us and we had chefs that came and cooked and we had professional, like, like famous musicians that came and played music. And we had, you know, kids we brought games and we brought presents and like we brought an AA party you know it wasn't feeding the homeless it was like showing up with Santa and love and community and music and games and great food and like and not just like here's your food go away but like come on be with us you know we simply insist on the joy of living and you know I dove into the book. I asked Candy to sponsor me and I just kept going up the line, you know? And um, for a long time, I had Sharon B, you know, um, who became Sharon C. She, I'm sure a lot of you have heard her story. She gives a beautiful talk. She sponsored me for 10 years. And, um, you know, I love... Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, and one of the things that I did when I came back is I got into the book and I read that book with somebody who had good working knowledge of it. And then I read it again and I read it again and I read it again. And I got to, I've gotten to take, I don't know how many people through that book, but I read that book with such passion because it's, it's my owner's manual. You know, I can open that book and it teaches me how to live and I'll tell you what it taught me. I'm sure many of you know that like the first four chapters of our book are dedicated on, to step one primarily, you know, and I need that because I think I'm the power, you know, and who knew that the gift was going to be that I'm powerless, that I'm powerless. That I don't actually have to change everyone. I can just change the way I respond. You know? That's so beautiful. And in how I fit myself to do that is just laid out in those steps. You know? we I get to recognize that I'm powerless. But there is a power it doesn't matter what it is when I come in the door. It just matters that it's not me. And it's changed so much over the years. I get to turn my will in my life over to the care of that power. And wow, how much that has changed from when I came in to today. I have such a profound love for God. And I'll just, you know, like, no. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep going because I'll get sidetracked and I won't find my way back. 
anyway, you know, and then we get to do those great steps where we just look at our patterns, you know, I get to take this inventory that really has shown me where my, where, where my fears are leading me to, to try and be safe. But what really what I get to see is that I'm building up these walls between me and God, the power, trying to manage it and build the, the house of cards. Um, I get to learn to share honestly, you know, what we do in our fifth step. And then six and seven, you know, I get to see the aspects of my character that are defective. They're not working for me anymore. You know, I get to see them because it's the same thing over and over and over. And I don't have to fix it. Like I just get to get ready and invite God to remove them from me. And then I get to change more. I get to amend, you know, I get to meet the people who have loved me along the way, who I've wronged. And I get to share honestly with them. And I get to change, you know. And then I get to become the watcher in step 10 throughout the day, you know. Like my sponsor, Gwen, she really, like, uh, 10, 6, and 7, 10, 6, and 7, all day long. Anything that has come up, she'll say, well, that's because you're not in step 10 all day. You shouldn't be holding anything past the moment that you recognize it. You know, like the minute there's the disturbance, the very minute I recognize it, I get to pause, you know, and I get to invite God in, you know, because either I did something wrong and I can change it or, or I have hurt feelings that I don't think I did something wrong. And I can forgive. And that's it. <laughs> that's my whole thing. You know, that's my whole thing now. I can invite God to remove the fear and direct my attention to who he would have me be. And then I get to go along in my life. And when I live like this, oh, I love it. Because when I live like that, I'm also living in, you know, the 11th step. And really seeking you know, to pray without ceasing. I feel that words are unnecessary. You know, I've come to you. And I was just fear. I was just a ball of fear with this little teeny light of hope. And you just washed my fear away a little bit at a time. And you taught me how to live. And you taught me how to love. And you taught me how to give. And you've given me this experience with God that is so expansive and generous. I literally have the experience of God. When I, you know, go within, and I'm just so excited about it, you know? Like, there's nothing, you know, I came here really very confused about the whole mess, you know, and I'm not confused today. 
I don't have a single question. There's nothing that doesn't make sense to me. And I stand firm that nothing is wasted. You know, it's all right. And I know that it's all right when I'm flowing and everything's good and I'm happy and life is wonderful. And, you know, that's great. But today, I also know that when I'm ebbing and I don't feel good and I'm not at the top of my game and I'm coming to you, I swear I'm about to break through, but it still feels like a breakdown sometimes, you know, like I'm coming out and I'll be like, you know, my, I have this Saturday morning meeting with my, with my sobriety kid. And every Saturday, you know, I cry no matter what, but most of my life it's out of joy. And I've just had this despair over the last year. And it's just been very, very, I mean, it's unusual for me. And, you know, I could think of a lot of things that it could be, but who cares? Like, who cares? It doesn't matter what the problem is. is my solution is the same. You know, my solution is the same. And, you know, what I, I, I made a choice through the pandemic. I had, um, I have this friend, Stacy. Everyone calls her Shug. She lives in New York. She's from uh, South Louisiana. And she had been telling me about her sponsor, Bubba, for 15 years or something like, something like that. And uh, so during the pandemic, she said, hey, y'all want to go to Bubba's meeting? And I was like, I want to go to Bubba's meeting. I have been hearing about this guy. I want to go to Bubba's meeting. And, you know, I went to that meeting and I didn't leave, you know. And I really, what a gift, you know, because like, the the week before the pandemic like the shutdown happened you know my one of my sponsors along the way she's a tech person and she was like I'm starting an online meeting I'm calling it's going to be a zoom meeting I'm calling it online recovery group and so she was up and running already and um and so and when when the shutdown happened she immediately was working with world service and AA didn't miss a beat. We didn't miss a beat. Did you notice that? Like straight to Zoom, you know, and I hear a lot of people saying, oh, you people who got sober on Zoom, I don't know how you did it. Did it. Well, they got to go too. <laughs> like they're not going to send them to AA, you know, like we get here perfectly. And that's the thing that I, that I really want to, that's what I really want to talk about is the divinity and the perfection that I found in Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> About five years ago, this is the thing that I was like, I'm not going to abandon ship. I'm coming back to it. About five years ago, I was, um, I was just, I was good. Like my recovery was good. I was like, everything was good, but I wasn't at the top of my game, you know? And this guy uh, came over, he's sober and he was going to help me with some furniture or something like that. And uh, he was like, I called him and he was like, Oh yeah, I'll come over after the meeting. I, I'm bringing a newcomer. And I was just like, oh my God, that's what's missing. A morning meeting. I'm not going to a morning meeting. I felt a little off. I started going to that morning meeting. And then I started living my life as though God is everything. 
you know, we have that proposition, God is everything or God is nothing. Either he is or he isn't. What's our choice to be? I started living as though God is everything and it has changed my life. When I look at y'all, I mean, like, literally every day of my life, I see God. That's what I see. And if I think of somebody in a judgment, like he shouldn't or they should or, you know, it's like very quickly. I just go, what are you doing? This is just, you know, another flawed human being who is here demonstrating to you what you're uncomfortable with in yourself. Like, he's not the problem. He's just showing me what the problem is in me. And on top of that, he's just suffering. Not doing anything. He's just trying to live like I am. I wasn't ever trying to hurt anyone when I was getting loaded. I love, you know, that's what I do. I'm so glad that I can see that today. And I have this one relationship that is like this person is my teacher because I have expectations and I have this attachment, you know, and, you know, that's how I learn. I mean, relationships are such a beautiful spiritual path, an evolutionary path, because if if we're going to have the people in our lives that we have an emotional connection to you know and and aa has introduced me to this god you know and and bill wilson writes in that beautiful way that he talks to us about you know the hoop being so much bigger than we think and the garment being loose and he really sets this for me he really sets a nice tone to just let let recovery be easy read the words when it says pray, pray. When it, ta- it tells you to take an action, take the action. And that's it, you know? Like, it's so simple. And I think that the parts of ourselves that made us want to drink in the first place also make us not, not want resistant to saving our own lives. You know? What's happened... For me, because I came to you and I did all the things, you know, and I consistently, you know, show up. I love helping others, you know, I love all the aspects of what we get to do in recovery. I love the fact that my God, my trust, my understanding, my very being has changed so significantly. I'll just close with kind of this, this is a good story to close on. So my sponsor is Gwen. She's, she's 90 years old. She's about to be 91 in October, the end of October. And, uh, you know, she's got some, she's got some health stuff. And uh, I zoom with her every morning. We read together. And, uh, she said, well, I, I've got to tell you something. And I said, okay. And she said, I am actively dying. Now, Gwen, like, 
she doesn't tell people when anything's going wrong because she doesn't want their bad juju on it, which I totally agree with. But she knows that we see this similarly. So I just said, I mean, should I come? And she said, well, if you want to see me, <laughs> you should come. And so I did. And, you know, what I realized after that visit is that when I came there, I was dying. I was just like, oh, in such a deep, sorrowful place. And I came now, Gwen's, I think her, her little house is smaller than a single wide. Her son-in-law built it for right next to their house. And it is adorable. And when I sleep there, I sleep on the fold-out sofa. And I sleep there a lot. I'm with, I spend as much time as I can with Gwen. And I sleep so beautifully on that little, it's a literally, literally it's the old one. It's not like what a, some fancy thing, but she's got a little memory foam on it. So it's real nice. Anyway, on that trip, I just went there and she sat in her lazy boy and I sat on the couch. And we just sat together. We didn't even do anything. We sat together and healed. And it was in that visit that I realized, like, I've spent so much time as a doer, a fixer, you know. You should change so I can be happy, but don't worry, I'll teach you how to change. It's going to be great, you know. And I realized that, like, in that surrender, in that daily practice of our steps and sharing it with others, I've changed to the point where I see that I'm more, oh, oh, I'm more, um, you know, I'm more helpful just in being. Like God has dramatically changed me. And, and the work that I do is I, you know, I'm a helper. I help people. I, I get to, I get to, serve God in a really beautiful way. But like, I don't know. I just know that this is probably true for some of you, you know, most of us, maybe, I don't know. But like, people have started saying to me, I just feel better when I'm around you. And I and I believe it. Like, I believe it. I know that, like, something happens when I put my hands on people because their pain goes away and all kinds of beautiful, miraculous things happen. And it has nothing to do with me. Except that I came to you and you taught me how to live and you taught me how to love and you taught me how to get out of the way and let that power work through me. And you loved me enough and let me practice on you and learn how to see you through the lens of love and compassion. I mean, I am a stellar human being. Like, that is true. You know, I love beautifully. I get to live this purposeful life. It's amazing. I owe all of it to you. Thank you so much for letting me be here with you. Wow, what a beautiful way to end a meeting. Yes, taken from the trash heap to becoming stellar human beings. That's a great message of experience, strength, and hope. Thank you, Reg, for joining us on Two Sober Chicks.